My name is Alan Mulhern. This is part two of our mini-series on the ecological catastrophe of the Anthropocene. In this episode, I begin with a reference to the Ice Ages, since they play a big part in the history of life. Then next, I will be exploring the impact of climate change on human evolution, a theme which will carry over to our next episode. The climate on Earth across billions of years has alternated between ice ages and warmer periods. In the ice ages, there are polar and continental ice sheets, as well as mountain glaciers. In the warmer periods, there is a melting of the ice and oceans rise to a height considerably higher than at present. There have been at least five major ice ages in Earth's history, some lasting hundreds of millions of years, while others lasted a mere 40 million. The latest, supposedly the fifth, began only 2.5 million years ago, that is roughly coinciding with the emergence of our genus and has consisted of alternating glacial pulses and intermittent warmer interglacial periods. Rather confusingly, these glacial pulses can also be called ice ages. They can last around 100,000 years, while the interglacials are shorter, lasting, say, between 10 and 15,000 years. The last glacial period where ice sheets were at their maximum was as recently as 20 to 25,000 years ago. With great quantities of water locked up in ice, then sea levels were 120 metres lower, that's 400 feet, than at present, actually allowing Homo sapiens to cross from North Asia to North America in their global expansion. Currently, we are in an interglacial period for the last 12,000 years, which has allowed, in this sliver of time, the birth of agriculture and therefore the development of civilization. It is suspected that one of the past major ice ages was so severe that large parts of the earth were icebound even to the tropics, referred to as the snowball earth. One imagines life must have survived under the frozen conditions of the planet's surface in the ocean waters, or in those parts of the oceans where ice had not formed completely. When the ice melted, life exploded in great profusion in the waters and subsequently moved onto the land. This was known as the Cambrian Explosion, which is estimated to be around 600 to 500 million years ago. Thus, animal life on land owes its origins to climate change. So, how could such changes from ice ages to warm conditions come about? What drives these immense cycles over Earth's history? I am aware of two explanations that have been offered. Without the benefit of diagrams, here is the gist from myself, untrained in this discipline. The first explanation concerns the orbital cycles of the Earth around the Sun. Milankovic, a Serbian mathematician, worked on his theory in the first part of the 20th century, before the age of computers. He supposed, quite reasonably, that the long-term combined effects of various alterations in Earth's position relative to the Sun are the main causes of long-term climate change 
and triggered the beginning and ending of glaciation periods. He argued that it was variations in three orbital movements of the Earth that affect how much solar radiation reaches the Earth and what parts of it are reached. Combined, they can account for changes of up to 25% in solar radiation at the mid-latitudes of the planet, thereby starting and ending ice ages. The Milankovic cycles include, firstly, the shape of Earth's orbit around the Sun, known as eccentricity. This ellipse, it's not a circle, actually varies over long periods of time and is affected by the orbits of the giant planets Jupiter and Saturn. Secondly, the angle of Earth's axis is tilted with respect to Earth's orbital plane, and this is known as obliquity, which of course accounts for the different seasons. Over the last million years, this angle has varied between a tilt of 22.1 degrees and 24.5 degrees. Larger tilt angles favour periods of deglaciation, that is the melting and retreat of glaciers and ice sheets. The angle was last at its maximum tilt around 10,000 years ago, which coincides more or less with the interglacial period and the birth of agriculture just mentioned. Thirdly, the direction of the Earth's axis of rotation is pointed and is known as precession. The Earth rotates or spins with a slight wobble, like an off-centre spinning top. This is caused by the gravitational forces of Sun and Moon, as well as Saturn and Jupiter. The Earth therefore bulges somewhat at the equator, rather like myself. Precession has a small effect on the amount and direction of incoming solar radiation. So these three cycles can work separately, but in combination can have significant impact on Earth's climate over long time spans of tens to hundreds of thousands of years. Milankovitch believed that obliquity, that is the angle of tilt, was the most important of the three factors affecting climate. Milankovitch died in 1958 after a lifetime analysing the data to prove his hypothesis. A scientific analysis in 1976, that is 18 years later, of deep sea sediment cores found that Milankovitch cycles do correspond with periods of major climate change over the past 450,000 years, with ice ages occurring when Earth was undergoing different stages of orbital variation. Bravo! However, some scientists believe that other factors need to be part of the explanation. One such has been suggested by James Lovelock. The explanation runs as follows. An ice-bound condition of the Earth is eventually transformed by volcanic activity, which is capable of emitting vast amounts of methane and carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. These greenhouse gases allow the sun's radiation to penetrate the atmosphere, but block the heat coming out, thus warming the oceans and Earth and unlocking the planet of its frozen condition. 
This is then followed by an ice age as the carbon dioxide is pumped downwards by the explosion of life that absorbs carbon out of the air as vegetation and trees do. Or similarly, as sea creatures take carbon from the oceans to build their shells. These creatures fall to the seabed and are crushed into rock over millions of years and later, with the movement of Earth's crust, are raised up to form limestone and chalk, hills and escarpments, which are the embodiment of nature's way of extracting carbon to the advantage of life. Yes, life, or Gaia in Lovelock's evocative terminology, actually creates the conditions for more life by taking carbon from the atmosphere and oceans, thereby cooling the earth. Life best flourishes in intermediate temperatures between those of ice ages and intense global warming, say around average temperatures of 12 to 15 degrees centigrade. What becomes clearer when one studies this subject is that life and its evolution, its drama of expansion and extinction, are intimately dependent upon climate change. This dynamic of changes from cold to warmer conditions and vice versa has been one of the most important and long-lasting climatic cycles of the earth. The latest ice age of the earth started supposedly two and a half million years ago. That is right at the start of the evolution of the Homo genus with Homo habilis followed by Homo erectus. Since our origins were in Africa, we had first escaped the severe impact of the Ice Ages. But as Homo erectus expanded around the globe, they were to encounter glacial conditions and had to try to survive them, usually with success, but not always. With the current record temperatures on Earth in 2023, you may be surprised to learn that we are in an Ice Age. But remember, for the last 12,000 years we have been in an interglacial and in this interval human civilizations have arose and very recently have violently altered global chemistry by pumping vast quantities of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, thus causing more global heating. So much for generalities. I now wish to focus on recent evolution that includes our genus and its relationship to climate change. Hominin and human evolution have produced a diverse range of species that have evolved over millions of years. Numerous adaptations have happened to these creatures, for example, bipedalism, tool-making and use of technology, longer maturation of infants, and complex mental and social behaviour. By hominin, I mean the range of species since the dividing line from chimpanzees around six million years ago. By human, I refer to the later part of this period, say from two and a half million years ago, with the advent of Homo habilis and then Homo erectus, right through to ourselves and a number of other cousins, let's call them. By Homo sapiens, I refer to our species emerging between 200 to 300,000 years ago. The term genus refers to a group of species with close but slightly different genetic characteristics. Thus, the Homo genus contains different species, of which 
Homo sapiens, ourselves, is but one. At first, our hominin ancestors were very ape-like, but by four million years ago, they had the ability to walk upright on two legs, bipedalism. This period of six million years of hominin and human evolution, that is since the dividing line from chimps, has occurred with a trend towards colder and drier climatic conditions, but also increasing climate fluctuations over time, already described as glacial and interglacial pulses, many of them extreme, especially in the last one million years. In other words, the emergence of humans in the wider sense of the term to include our human cousins as well as ourselves, that is the homogenous, was precisely at the most challenging of climatic times in the six million year history of hominins and humans. There were at least ten species in the human lineage, that is, who have the title Homo in their name. Of these, we are the only one remaining. Our genus fanned out into many species, which is the norm, and then narrowed to only one, ourselves. In evolutionary history, this is often a prelude to extinction. All species experience environment and climate change. In the long term, hominins and humans encountered extreme changes in temperature and climate that caused large changes in vegetation and habitat. For example, the shifts from forests to grasslands and shrub, and also from warm to colder climates, even ice ages. Our ancestors' environments were also altered by earthquakes and uplift of whole mountain ranges, such as the immense Tibetan Plateau, which changed rainfall patterns and topography. Tectonic activity in the Earth's plates can change the location and size of lakes and rivers. Volcanic eruptions and forest fires also alter the availability of food, water, shelter and other resources. Unlike seasonal or daily shifts, the effects of many of these changes lasted for thousands of years and threatened the survival of hominins and humans, as it did many other animals. Most species have preferred habitats, perhaps coastlines, grasslands or forests, and have preferred temperature and precipitation ranges. When these conditions changed, they may move to search for their preferences elsewhere, or they may genetically adapt to the changes. If they fail, they may become extinct. A very recent study, authored by 11 researchers from institutions including University College London and the University of Cambridge, published on August the 10th, 2023, just a few days before the release of this episode, whose title is Extreme Glacial Cooling Likely Led to Hominin Depopulation of Europe in the Early Pleistocene, that is, around a million years ago. And this shows that a glacial period occurred around 1.1 million years ago and led to a sudden cooling that lasted about 4,000 years. Ironically, it occurred at the beginning of a warmer period, but the melting sea ice in the North Atlantic lowered sea temperatures to around 6 degrees centigrade. In Europe, it led to the formation of ice sheets and conditions as harsh as any in the last million years. 
The article argues that this coincided with the disappearance of humans from the European continent for 200,000 years. Homo erectus had occupied southern Europe, for example parts of Spain and Italy, from around one and a half million years ago. They had stone tools, but they may not yet quite have had fire and proper clothing to withstand glacial conditions as they did later. The article comments, The human species who subsequently colonised Europe proved more resilient amid persistent glacial conditions. Homo antecessor, another of the Homo species, is known from fossils in Spain about 850,000 years ago, with Homo heidelbergensis, known from Germany, about 600,000 years ago, and Homo neanderthalis, the Neanderthals, around 430,000 years ago in Spain. The article reflects finally as follows. This study provides insights into the initial vulnerability of early human species to environmental changes and how eventually they adapted to increasing glacial climatic stress. Quite. We hope such resilience and adaptation continue, but it's going to take little more than fire and clothing to do that. And of course, populations then were tiny and quite mobile, whereas now we are 8 billion a very different proposition if it comes down to mobility as a key response. It has been suggested by Dr Rick Potts of the Smithsonian Human Origins Programme that human evolution is shaped by extreme environmental instability itself, since this has been a constant feature of the past million years. Humans had to face a large range of environmental changes, which in turn stimulated a great number of adaptations. It so happens that this hypothesis is very similar to that put forward by Arnold Toynbee in his Theory of Civilization. He proposed that continuous creative adaptation to challenges was a feature of successful civilizations. When the capacity to adapt fades, then civilizations become stagnant or go extinct. Well, it's a similar story as we've seen with species. If the environment is very changeable and extreme, then being specialised for one type of habitat is clearly a disadvantage. Humans, as a result of their intelligence, had the ability to adapt to a great number of environments and climates so far. Over the past six million years then, hominins and humans evolved during environmentally unstable periods that lasted tens of thousands of years. For example, ancient hominin remains of the same species in Africa had been found in a variety of different habitats, for example in wooded areas and grasslands. These early hominins still had ape-like features, such as long arms that allowed them to shelter in trees, while also allowing movement in the grasslands. For example, a famous skeleton discovered in 1974 in Ethiopia is of an early Australopithecine female dated to about 3.2 million years ago and referred to as Lucy. She had hip bones and knee joints like humans but with longer ape-like arms and fingers than we have. She also had a foot design that could both walk and climb. One can imagine that foraging in the grasslands during the day 
but taking refuge in the trees at night was a great advantage. These adaptive changes were triggered by climate change, since it was this that caused the change in habitat, necessitating our ancestors to scavenge the grasslands. One can also observe in lake sediments and rocks in Africa that the same environment over millions of years went through radically different climates, from drought to flood, for instance, and with corresponding different types of vegetation. One can also see strata in the rock, that is in the geological record, of extensive volcanic ash, which must have covered the landscape for long periods, since it is now strata in the rock. It is hypothesised that one particular super-volcanic eruption almost wiped out humans and propelled them out of Africa. 75,000 years ago, Mount Tobo in Indonesia erupted with devastating consequences. Vast volcanic ash landed in many parts of the globe, including Africa. This event caused a severe global volcanic winter of six to ten years. But what about Homo sapiens? DNA analysis suggests that human population numbers at this time were much lower than they had been previously. It appears that the current human race is descended from about 3,000 to 10,000 individuals that were alive in Africa around this time, that is around 75,000 years ago. Similar DNA genetic analysis of the human genome suggests that human numbers 1.2 million years ago were around 26,000, still a very small number. Not forgetting that by human numbers we're referring to the Homo genus. There could easily have been other bottlenecks we do not know of. We also know that Homo sapiens moved out of Africa around this time. Putting these events together, the supervolcano, the extended volcanic winter, the drop in temperatures, the reduction in food supply, the very low population numbers and the exit from Africa, we have a plausible story that the milestone event of Homo sapiens leaving that continent and colonising the world was the result of catastrophe and threatened extinction. Homo sapiens subsequently rapidly spread around the entire globe. The exit from Africa is surely one of the most significant events in human history and it was the result, at least partially, of climate change. Well, that's not the whole story, for this was actually the second time humans, in the broader sense, had left Africa. Homo erectus survived longer than any other human species, from around two million to around half a million years ago, although there was an outpost in Java, which lasted too much later. They too had left Africa quite early in their history, around 1.9 million years ago, and had settled in various parts of the globe long before Homo sapiens arrived on the scene. Again, one notices the variety of their natural environments in different global locations, both in terms of habitat and climate. Homo erectus, on exiting Africa, first migrated east and spread into Asia. Their settlements have been discovered with dates as old as 1.9 million years ago, for example in many parts of the African continent, which is their original home. Right across the Near East, 1.8 million years ago, in different parts of India, 
Also in China, as far north as the border with Mongolia, 1.7 to 1.6 million years ago, and Java, 1.6 million years ago. But Homo erectus, for all their success and longevity as a species, over a million and a half years, went extinct, as did all the Homo species of our genus, except us. Why? We have already seen that Homo erectus was forced out of Europe around 1 million years ago by climate change. Another recent study in 2020 by a group of scientists modelling our knowledge and database of climate change over millions of years with various dates that species of Homo have gone extinct suggests that the chief reason for their extinction was severe climate change and the sudden narrowing of the habitat upon which they relied. As mentioned already, in the last million years, as well as the movement to a colder Earth, there have been greater extremes of weather, and these had the capacity to wipe out many species. The study offers particularly strong evidence for this causation in the case of the extinctions of Homo erectus, Homo heidelbergis, and Homo neanderthalis. That is, their extinction being caused by climate change. This particular study is titled Past Extinctions of Homo Species Coincided with Increased Vulnerability to Climatic Change, published in One Earth, October 15, 2020. In summary, life on this planet has always been dependent on and deeply interlinked with climate. The Earth passes through great cycles of glacial and warming conditions, with enormous consequences for the promotion or restriction, or even extinction, of life. On the one hand, as the Cambrian explosion indicates, it is climate change that has permitted the flourishing of life. But on the other, as the Tobo volcanic catastrophe demonstrates, all life, as well as that of humankind, can periodically live on an existential climatic precipice. Hominins our ancestors adapted to changing habitats and climatic environments. The genus Homo, of which we are but one species, had an even greater capacity to adapt. Our current knowledge, much of it very recent and very startling, of the connection between climate history and the fate of different species of our own genus, gives us a shocking lesson. All but one of the Homo lineage have gone extinct, this is not inspired guesswork, according to the most rigorous scientific analysis currently available. We now realise that many of these disappearances have coincided with periods of severe climate change. Homo sapiens, with its high-level brain power, symbolic thought and language, wider social and trading networks, more complex tools and weaponry, was the most able to manage the increasingly cold and extreme climatic conditions, and consequent changing food supplies. But what we are faced with now is rather different, a theme to be explored in episodes to follow. Mythologically, nature is often portrayed as the good or the terrifying mother. Nowhere is this more evident than in the relationship between climate and life itself. Climate has been both enormously benevolent and destructive, Climate change, often very severe, quite simply has been one of the biggest factors in the story of life on Earth 
and it has been and continues to be one of the most powerful influences in human history.